everyone, welcome to the Create Initiative Podcast, the show that brings you insights and techniques from people in the creative world. We serve to help fellow creatives connect, learn, and grow. Well, alongside Kyle Lee, I am Jason Evans, and Kyle, it is the season six finale. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's officially December. Thanksgiving is behind us. Halloween is behind us. All those other holidays are behind us, and we're looking forward to the one and only Christmas. That's right. This is the only Christmas, the last one. <laughs> well, I hope not. Um, uh, I don't want to be a total downer. It's probably the last for somebody. Um, Ooh, wow. But uh, hopefully dark. hopefully, no one we know. That brings us to our sponsors. Um I, know, I was going to say some funeral home. <laughs> Dignity. Uh, some friends and I, just to, to let you know how morbid we are here in December, uh, some friends and I, we came up with a great uh, idea for a funeral home and call it Dignity Funeral Homes. And the, the catchphrase would be die with dignity. And then uh, I moved to Oklahoma City and I found out there is a funeral home in Oklahoma City called Dignity. But uh, so far they haven't taken me up on that, that pitch. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's a great, great catchphrase. I think that'd be pretty good. I mean, I, it, it makes sense. Well, uh, we don't want to. We don't want to go off the rails that, this soon in our finale, Kyle. We've got a big guest lined up, and uh, we're we're very excited about it. But before we get to that, Kyle, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, <clears throat> my Thanksgiving was the best Thanksgiving there's ever been because. I stuck solely to the five tips did that you? I brought. Yes. Do you have any photos of the, what did you end up making, gloves or a stocking cap? Yeah, I made all of it. You made all I of it? I made my entire outfit. Okay. And the outfit of my wife and all my all my kids. Did, did all your family wear it? Yeah, they they all wore it. Sweet. And so. How did the turkey taste? The turkey was nice and moist. I pulled it out about an hour early and... I've, it was, I mean, never been moister. Moister. Moist is such a fun M- word to say on, on the moist. air. Moist. Moist. Uh, and no one got sick from the moistness? Oh, I didn't eat it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It just looked. Yeah. It, it looked very moist. It was definitely unedible. <laughs> but it was <laughs> but not dry. But you brought dry. your own food. It was not dry. But you brought your own food, so that made up for it. Yeah. So you did not go hungry. Yeah. Well, well, I just ate a couple of cranberry scented napkins. Oh, nice. So. Nice. Uh, that that paper is biodegradable, so yeah, that's paper, good. Paper is food. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, well, we want to know: Did anybody follow any or all of Kyle's five tips uh, this Thanksgiving? And so, like we mentioned in the last episode, if you happen to have taken him up on any of those tips, um, please, please, please let us know. We want to bring you on the show in the future, and uh, and, <laughs> and talk about it. So uh, uh, we really want to know. We're not bringing them on today, though, because they would pale in comparison to our guest today. That That is correct, Kyle. In fact, uh, we're so excited about today's guest that we're not doing a something new. We're not doing a Christmas gift wish list. We're not doing best place to find deals. Uh, we are going straight to our guest. And Kyle, who is our guest this week? It is none other than the world famous John Mark McMillan. John Mark McMillan. Mr. J.M.M., the singer-songwriter, the poet extraordinaire. Uh, John so graciously decided to come on the show, and uh, we talked quite a bit about his new Christmas album, Smile in the Mystery, that actually just released on the Friday after Thanksgiving. And so if you haven't heard it yet, uh, listen to this podcast, because you're going to hear a couple snippets from some of the songs, and then go to where you find music 
and uh, find it and listen to it over and over and over again. But Kyle, uh, as we mentioned, John, he he just, I mean, I don't know why he decided to be on the show, but man, we're grateful that he decided to be on the show. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And so uh, we've probably built it up quite enough. And so without further ado, let's just go right to our conversation with John Mark McMillan. talk about your new Christmas album that uh, has just released as the time of this recording and it's called Smile and the Mystery. Um, kind of what's the story behind you deciding to produce a Christmas album? Well so um, for years around Christmas time things would slow down for me you know because touring unless you're touring a Christmas record or you're doing Christmas music in music industry Christmas slows way down. Um, and, and, you know, even the last two weeks of the year, like you literally can't even, you can't get a hold of anybody, you know? So December is like a super chill time in music industry. And so I have more time on my hands in December and I, when I have time on my hands, I, I always come up with something to do. So time on free time is dangerous for me because I end up creating work on, on my free time, you know? <laughs> so I end up dreaming up new ideas, you know? So um, for several years, I, I think I would get bored and I would, I would think, ah, oh, I, sh- I should do a Christmas song. And so I, I call my buddy Everett who lives in the mountains. He's a musician and a producer. And, uh, so several years in a row, um, I would go up to the mountains and track a Christmas song and we would give it away. Um, so we did baby son that way. And we did, um, silent night and joy to the world and some of those kind of songs. Um, so every so often, um, Everett and I would cross paths and be like, we should really do a Christmas record some year. But usually I don't think about it until around Christmas time. And then it's too late, you know, as you, to put a Christmas record out, you have to, um, have it ready by, you know, October. Right. Yeah. So, um, I'm, it's always too late. And I was like, well, we could record it and then put it out next year, you know? Uh, but anyway, this past year, Everett and I were working on the Mercury and Lightning Sessions records. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were together a lot and we were having so much fun on those records because he produced those records. He's a composer and a string arranger and he's a string player. He plays a cello. And uh, we were having so much fun. I said, man, it would be really fun if we didn't have to stop working on these records. I was like, well, maybe we just roll it into a Christmas record. Let's just keep working because we've talked about it for years, right? So uh, we just kept working and we uh, had so much fun. We just went ahead and recorded the Christmas record we've been talking about for years. And so that's sort of how the Smile and the Mystery was born. I'm, I'm stoked for it to come out. Is there a, a song in particular on the Christmas record that you are you are particularly excited about or you're ready for everyone to listen to? I mean, I'm excited about all of them for different reasons. <laughs> Me too. Of course, you know, <laughs> my, um, uh, you know, a lot of people ask uh, if I have a, ever have a favorite song on a record, and almost never. You know, they're yeah. almost all like important in some way. But yeah. uh, "Silver and Gold" is really special. My wife sings that song on the record, um, and we went. She wanted to record that song for a long time, and so we decided to cover it. 
And we didn't realize that it was only ever used in um, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer movie. Yeah. And so I, we just assumed it had more verses, and they just picked the first verse, you know, because of timing. But apparently it only ever had one verse. I guess it was written for that movie. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we we weren't sure what to do, and we decided to write the other verses. So most of that song is original. Sarah and I wrote it. Um, the first verse is the original verse, but Sarah and I wrote original lyrics for the rest of the song. And if you look at the lyrics of the song, if you take the lyrics super literally, which I don't think they were meant to be taken literal, but you know, it's all about how great silver and gold are. I was like, well, what is silver and gold is not awesome. You know what I mean? Like, if you take the song literally, it's kind of a bad uh, view on life. I think more it's about the nostalgia of the seeing silver and gold on things makes you think about Christmas and stuff. But you know, we, yeah. you take it literally. So what we decided to finish the song and write it about what is like things that are really valuable. What are silver and gold? You know, so you know, like time with our children is silver and gold because they're only with us for a little while. Then they grow up and have their own kids. You know, silver and gold is the time with the people we love because it's limited. You know, silver and gold is thinking about the people we've lost, you know, cause we love them. You know, we're grateful for the, for the time we had with them. And so it's beautiful and kind of sad. And I really love that song. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that, that it really is. Um, I don't know. I like that use of, of trans, translating that to something that's more than just, you know, monetary worth. Um, yeah, I think that that's pretty cool. And, um, you know, even, even your, uh, kind of the first single off that album, baby son, um, you know, you seem to really try to, in my opinion, with these songs, you, you really try to push into something beyond just kind of the, uh, careful what I say, I guess the, the fluffy Christmas feeling, um, and, and create something that in my opinion has more power behind it. Was that, was that like, uh, an intent or did that just kind of come out as a byproduct from, as you're writing these songs? Yeah, well, definitely. We definitely intended to do that. I mean, I try to do that with just about everything I, I put out. Um, I think part of it is I'm not like the greatest singer in the world. I think maybe I have a style, but I'm not the greatest singer in the world. So I don't think people just want to hear me singing songs. I think, I think I have to say something, um, you know, in, in whatever it is that I'm producing, I have to say something in order for people to want to engage in my music. Cause I'm not like Frank Sinatra, you know what I mean? I'm not like a beautiful, <laughs> powerful singer, you know, I think I've grown over the years. I'm a better singer than I was, but I think more than anything, people want me to say, want me to say something. And so we definitely took that approach on this record as well, you know. Um, even songs like Baby Son, you know, I wrote that in 2013. Mm -hmm. And that was another reason we really wanted to put out a Christmas record. I was like, I really want people to hear this song. I wrote it and recorded an early version back in 2013 or 2014, and I gave it away um, as a charity thing. Um, but that's all that ever happened with it. Um, We've done we've done some acoustic version on that we posted to YouTube and stuff like that, but that song hasn't existed really anywhere else. And so I went back and looked at the lyrics of that song and I thought, gosh, this song is like more important now, or it means more now than I think it did back in 2013. Yeah, you know, and I really wanted people to hear this song right now. So that was another push to put a Christmas record. I was like, I think this is the time to do it. We have something to say that I think people really need to hear. And so, um, 
you know, I, I feel like there's something important in that song. But yeah, so it was intentional. We wanted to say something for sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned kind of just there, like you, you said, you think you have a particular style, which I, I totally uh, agree with. Uh, for for me, your music is somehow, it, it's so diverse, you know, from album to album, but also has just a familiarity about it. Like, oh yeah, that's a good John Mark McMillan album right there. How do you um, when it comes to your projects, how do you maintain that or balance that tension of maintaining the signature sound, but also pushing the creative limits to like, I don't want this just to be just like the last album. Totally. Well, I sort of discovered that my vocals are almost always going to tie it in, you know, cause I've got a certain range of things I can do vocally that I want to grow, but I sort of realized like I can almost anything works if I'm singing it, <laughs> meaning it's sort of like we can do a lot of different things, but if my vocal is consistent on the record, it'll tie it in. Yeah, for sure. You know? yeah, for sure. I think also like whenever we're doing a project, we do it all at a, in a similar period of time. And so a lot of the influences from one song to the next sort of um, uh, are, are consistent as well. And we record a lot of the songs in the same rooms, you know, and with the same musicians. And that sort of ties ties things together too, just naturally, you know, I think we probably think about what the overall tone of a record is going to be. And then especially as we're finishing up or like, is there, you know, are the, are the songs consistent? Um, you know, for this record, for instance, we used a lot of uh, strings and horns and orchestral pieces. Awesome. Um, awesome. You know, we, you know, we have an opera singer on the first song yeah. and yeah. there's some uh, oboe and uh, there's a horn section you know, on a couple of the songs. And so a lot of that's coming from the same places. We would use those things on other records here and there, you know, but that's one thing that ties this whole record together. Even the microphone, the vocal mic we used is really old. We wanted to capture some of the sort of nostalgic tones that people associate with Christmas. And so I've got this old RCA from the 50s and 60s, and we ran it through some tube gear. And so you... And so you almost can't help but get that old kind of tone, um, just super warm, you know, kind of dirty, gushy, you know, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, Bob Dylan, um, you know, <laughs> all Johnny mixed, Cash. All mixed into one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they awesome. all used, they all used a similar mic and, um, preamp situation, um, you know, to what we used for this record. So. Well, um, that sort of ties in each song as well. Well, it, it, it definitely comes through. I mean, when you're listening to the album, uh, you, you hear all those things. I remember when I first heard uh, that, that opening song and I was like, uh, is that an opera singer? <laughs> like, you know, it, was, um, it, it, it is pretty cool. Um, it, is there anything else uh, just, you know, about the Christmas album that, that you would like for for people to just say like, you know, this is, this was really what, what we're going for with this album. Um, I just hope people can feel, um, the spectrum of emotions. You know, Christmas is a beautiful and complicated time of the year, you know, um, and you have all these exciting moments with people you love, you know, like the kids opening presents is so exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you think about the people, you know, your Christmases that you had growing up and you think about people you love. And there are people that um, find a lot of hope and feel a lot of hope around Christmas. And then there are people who have lost a lot who Christmas um, 
you know, for those people, Christmas can be kind of a heavy time of year, you know. Um, and so I, I really wanted to capture all of those sort of emotions to try and paint with all those different tones, you know. Um, just try and create a complex sort of expression of the way I see Christmas and the Christmas season. You know, at the same time, I think all of that is within the context of gratitude, you know. Um, but I hope people f- I hope people feel a range on this record and that they sort of pick up both the sort of, uh, I guess I would say, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night, you know, yeah. equally yeah. on this record, you know. If we can kind of switch gears and talk more broadly for a second, um, uh, you know, if in and this is a very broad question, so please get as detailed or as not detailed as you, you want. Um, but uh, you know, what does your kind of creative process look like as you kind of prepare to uh, write a new song, or if you know you you're ready to produce a new album? Kind of where does that all begin for you? Well, I'll spend a lot of time generating ideas. Um, Einstein said that uh, creativity is the product of time wasted. So I try and plan uh, time to waste time. Um, And it feels super unproductive and it looks really unproductive on the front end, um, you know, where I may stare at a wall or read through books or write stream of consciousness um, for, for, you know, maybe several hours a day even. Um, And what happens uh, over that time is I end up generating a catalog of ideas, Um, even things that don't work. It's like there will always be a line or two or a word or two or or a phrase, an idea in just about everything. Um, And later on, it'll tie in. So I'll write like a song that's not great, but there will be something good in it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, And so I just start spending more and more time creating ideas and... Um, and, and when the ideas begin to pile up, I start making lists of ideas and I'll start to see a lot of times I'll start to see a, um, a thread in these ideas and then I'll sit down and try and take the more complete ideas and finish them into songs. But for the, it takes me some time. Like it's, it's almost like flexing a muscle. Like if I write, I need to be writing every day for a season before, most of the time, occasionally I'll, I'll be doing nothing and a great song will hit me out of nowhere and I'll kind of write most of the song in a short period of time. But usually it doesn't work that way. Usually um, I've got to be writing every single day and over time I'll create a momentum around a group of ideas. You know, so um, I've got voice memos full of ideas, melody ideas. I've got books and journals full of lyric ideas. But but that's where it all starts for me, generating ideas and then finding the more complete ideas and starting to complete them. And then I usually, I don't usually or rarely do I finish a song before I go into the studio. I always try to, but it just doesn't happen because I I have a really hard time just finishing something if I don't feel like it's done. Mm. You know, like... Uh, there's always lines that I consider to be sellout lines or filler lines, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I, so I'll have a line and I'll put parentheses around it because I'm like, okay, this fits, but this isn't going to be the line. And I usually go into the studio with, um, songs that have a bunch of those lines, you know, usually the idea is pretty good. You know, uh, there'll be moments that are really great. And while I'm in the studio over time, we'll end up finishing 
all those ideas. But I don't do demos very often or ever I should and I want to do more of that kind of stuff. Um, but usually it's more of a, of a flow. Um, and I, I like it too because I think sometimes the studio inspires the finished song. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's happening on an instrument or musically uh, helps me know which direction the song needs to go. Um, and also, you know, we might have a cool rhythmical thing happen that, that you can't just force words. Words have a, a cadence and a rhythm just naturally. Yeah. And yeah. you can't force them into just any cadence or rhythm. And so sometimes the rhythm and the cadence of whatever we're producing will inform the lyric even or vice versa, you know. So I know that's kind of vague, uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, like my process is pretty vague. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. sort of like I got to sit in a room and figure out how to make something that didn't exist all of a sudden exist. I got to sit in a room and, and try and feel things. And then I got to decide if what I'm feeling is um, worth writing a song about. <laughs> it's a lot of work right, lot there. Of work right there. It is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, you tweeted a couple of months back, uh, you, you had asked the question, what can we learn from the God who isn't afraid to lose? And it made me wonder, um, preparing for this interview, it made me wonder about, um, a lot of your music, you know, you, you ask some deep questions or you might have a theological idea inside of those songs. And, um, do you approach, um, when you're preparing the, the album or preparing the songs, do you kind of approach it with that same, not afraid to lose mentality and kind of anticipating that some people might not necessarily agree with your theology? Um, yeah, but I, I don't think about theology so much when I'm writing. I think I actually really enjoy theology. Um, I read theology books, and I, it's something I like to talk about. It's interesting to me, um, and other people's theology is really interesting to me, and I'm really fascinated by that type of stuff, and so I think it works its way into my music because of that. Okay. I don't think I usually... Um, think I really want to say this, and so I've got to figure out a way to say it. Like for instance, Baby Son. Like I was just so fascinated with the concept. There's a there's a scripture in the Old Testament. I should be able to quote it and tell you where it is, but off the top of my head, I can't. But it's a prophecy of the Messiah, and it says that the government will rest upon his shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then of course the Messiah appears, and <laughs> he's this helpless baby human, you know, Um, you know, his parents are homeless at the moment. He, he doesn't even have a place to be born. And this is the thing, you know, this is the one that the, uh, you know, that the government is going to rest upon, you know, meaning the power and the structures of power and the way we approach um, civilization is all going to fall on the shoulders of this homeless, helpless baby child. You know, I thought, well, that is fascinating. I was like, I'm sure there's a, that's saying a lot theologically, but more than anything, I'm just fascinated, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I got it. I've got to explore this, you know? And so that's kind of how I wrote that song. And so then there is a lot of theology that springs from that, or you see the shadows or the reflections or the evidence uh, of certain ideas in that sort of concept. But for me, I'm not really trying to express any sort of theology, um, specifically anyway. I'm not trying to push any sort of doctrine, but there are massive implications, right? Yeah. 
Um, but really, all it, it all of it started with me just being really fascinated by this sort of idea or this concept. And then the implications are just like icing on the cake. Yeah, for sure. You know? John, uh, so a lot of our listeners, they are either in the local church by vocation or they're volunteers or um, something like that. But, but they're constantly asked to produce creative things. Um, you know, week to week to week to week, there's, you know, it's always new promo or, or get this set list ready for Sunday. And, and, and it's just kind of this constant, um, expectation of creative things. Um, Mm -hmm. in, in your opinion, you know, that, that may not be totally dissimilar from like a musical artist in, in the industry, you know, with air quotes, um, you know, uh, are there any habits or practices that you rely on to 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 stay fresh when it comes to refilling your your creative cup? Um, yeah, I, I try and um, I try to read a lot. I mean, I enjoy it, too. I try to read um, and I try and um, how can I say this in a way that doesn't sound cheesy? Like I I try and experience the world with fresh eyes Um and I think that comes partly from, um, from, from actively pursuing new perspectives on things. Um, so I want to listen really, really widely, not just to, definitely not just to my genre, whatever that is, I don't even know, but <laughs> definitely not just to my genre and definitely not just to my taste and my personal culture, but and and not even and especially not even what's cool or what's hip because everything that's a trend is fading and it came from somewhere you know yeah, for sure. and so the key is not to chase trends i think the key is to find new influences um and whenever something's popular it's really fun to dig into the influence to those what the things that influenced whatever it is that's popular and not just grab what's on the surface you know but reach deep you know yeah. And so for me, I've just developed a love for experiencing new things. You know, for instance, in music, like we are in like a really amazing age where you can um, listen to almost anything, even if you can't find it on Spotify, like YouTube is full of old vinyl records of, you know, African music, Asian music, uh, Caribbean music that isn't on Spotify that you could never buy on CD, like millions and millions of songs are available to you right now. And I remember when I was younger, you know, I, a lot of my heroes were into jazz and blues. And so, um, I thought, well, I really need to like brush up on blues and jazz. And so I spent time asking people what CD I should buy. Cause a lot of times I only had enough, you know, budget to buy one CD a month, you know, like, you know, 10 to 15 songs. And so I did a lot of homework and I would go out and I would buy, one CD I bought, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, you know, was my first jazz record. That was my CD for the month, you know. Now you can listen to everything. So we're just in such an amazing era where you can influence yourself. You can take control and influence yourself, you know. You can dig deep into Spotify and dig deep into YouTube and find things that are way outside of your culture and way outside of your world, you know? Yeah. And so I encourage people to do that. The other thing I encourage people to do is, you know, people are so influenced by what happens on the internet, Instagram, you know, and I've got a good friend. He's in New York right now and he's, he's working with some of the top designers in New York, you know? And one thing he and I talk about a lot is how everyone pulls from the internet, you know? Um, 
He's like, so if you want to get ahead or you want to get deeper, you almost need to find things that are not on the internet yet. You know, like find music that's happening in other places, you know, that's happening in the real world or, um, artwork, especially, you know, what's happening outside of Instagram Mm -hmm. because everyone sees it on Instagram. So it's great. But if everyone's seeing it, that means everyone's seeing it at the same time. Yeah. So where can, can you find places to pull from outside of that? You know, so like challenging yourself to reach deep, to find new things and to learn to enjoy things that maybe you didn't enjoy before, develop taste for different kinds of music and art, you know, books. You know, see, that's one thing you can't, you know, you can't read a book on Instagram. You know, you dig into Hemingway and Steinbeck and um, you know, I read Dylan Thomas and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Like. It really does. You you really create a uh, you stock the pond that way, right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And so I think stocking the pond is really really important. And a lot of people, everyone copies. Okay, so let's just be straightforward. <laughs> everyone is a thief. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not really about whether or not you're a thief. It's about who you're stealing from. And if everyone is stealing from the same place, then it all sounds and looks and feels the same, right? Yeah. But if you can be a smart thief and you can start stealing from places that other people haven't tapped, you know, go deeper into the mountain, so to speak, you know, find those places that people haven't yet brought to the surface and be the one who brings that stuff to the surface, then you can create something that feels and looks and sounds really unique, you know. So I call that stocking the pond. It's kind of like three steps. You got to stock the pond, then you got to create ideas from the stock stock that you have and then you have to finish the ideas you know you have to hone them um you know so uh that would be my advice for people who want to stay fresh and it's really hard to stay fresh you know especially when you have to do it week after week i will say this it's really hard to do good work every week and maybe impossible to do incredible work when you're when you have to produce every single week but what it does to you when you have to produce every single week um, is you sort of um, you you build a muscle, and your muscle memory for um, creative work uh, gets stronger and stronger. And then when you move on to work that maybe you have, you know, several months to to create, you can create something really really significant because of the muscle that you've built up, the creative muscle you built up from having to work on demand even though working on demand kind of sucks <laughs> some yeah sometimes it definitely does <laughs> yeah. you know you've you've been doing this for for a while now you've released uh, a few quite a few records and and just different music and and all kinds of great stuff um what is it about the creative process that you enjoy the most like what is it that keeps you coming back to to doing this and and creating new music and a new song oh man for me it's that moment when I finish a song and I look at it and I don't feel like I wrote it. Oh, that's interesting. You know, like I, every time I finish a song, it happens almost every time I finish a song, I look back and I'm like, I'm not sure how in the world I did that. So to me, it's still such a mystery, like, and it's so much work. It's so hard to get to that place. But every time I'm like, man, that felt so easy, even though it was not. You know, and so that's what keeps coming. That's what keeps bringing me back is that moment. 
you know, there are other moments too when you hear other people sing your songs. That's beautiful. Um, you know, when you finish a record and put it out, that's exciting. But for me, the most exciting is that moment when, like, I write a chorus or I say something and I look at it. And I'm like, wow, I was really feeling that way and I didn't even know it. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm a mystery to myself a lot of times and. <laughs> It's really exciting to be able to like see something that I wrote, you know, five minutes ago and, and be like, oh, wow, that's what's going on. Like, it's I love that, you know, just the mystery of taking something that doesn't exist, you know, a song doesn't exist. Right. And then all of a sudden it does, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that's still magical to me. That's what keeps bringing me back. Yeah. Before, before you go, I just got to say um, you just said magical. and It reminds me of your song Magic Mirror. The first time I heard it, I was mowing my lawn, and I have I have three kids, and you, I start hearing this song, and I, I just had to stop mowing the lawn and go in and almost just like weirdly hug all my kids because I was like, wow, I've never thought of of my kids or God this way. So I just wanted to let you know that it's been a a jam at my house, and so um, it's been awesome. Oh man, thank you so much. Yeah, I just wanted to. I'm, I'm trying not to fanboy out, but I just wanted I had to make sure I gave you that compliment. <laughs> Oh, man, thank you. That was definitely one of my favorite songs on uh, Mercury Lightning. I know I said I don't have favorite songs. Oh. <laughs> don't worry, we won't put that part in. We'll, we'll. <laughs> Christ the Lord, we love for you, Gloria, hallelujah. Christ the Well, again, we want to thank John for taking time to be on the show. Uh, Kyle, I mean, what an episode to call the finale, right? Absolutely. F- series finale, podcast finale. Yeah. <laughs> this might be it, the last episode it never, ever. It won't get better than that right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, Kyle, was there any part that stuck out to you? Really, for me, I was just, I wasn't surprised because I was hopeful that it would be this way, but he was just so kind and like, you know, he's he probably had a whole stack of podcast interviews lined up or whatever today and um just he was just super genuinely interested in our questions and interested to answer them and you just you never know when people in the biz are gonna actually be how you think they are or they're gonna be like something else you know and he was i was super glad that he was everything that i dreamed and more my hero (laughs) your hero well uh we we were uh thankful that that he would be on and he was a great guest he he was very engaged so that is always fun because you don't want to uh you don't want to know that they're checked out mentally yeah you know and so it's good you've you've heard some of those stories we won't name anybody yeah you don't want another casting crown situation on it on our hands and so not that I've ever had a personal experience, but word on the street, rude. 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 Well, um, uh, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any experiences, but... Uh, That's what you were, you were telling me off the air, how you couldn't stand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, this will be the last episode, because now the Casting Crowns army is going <laughs> to take us down. <laughs> Bring it on, Casting Crowns. I'm not afraid of you. 
Oh, man. Well, uh, Kyle, before we go, we do want to remind everybody, uh, th- not only is this our last episode of this season, but so it's the last of the year. And uh, so before you move into Christmas, before you get, get all sidetracked with the holidays and with prepping for your services, uh, go to createinitiative.org slash workshop and uh, register your team for our workshop. It's $25 a person. Kyle is actually holding uh, our pr- publicity material up to the microphone so that you can read it. Um, it's January 26, 2019. That's the paper. That's the paper. And uh, it'll be right here in Kyle's Church, South Point Church in South Oklahoma City. And uh, we want you to be a part of it. We've got breakouts covering audio, covering design, covering video, covering uh, creating environments and worship, uh, just all kinds of stuff, team leading, volunteer building. Uh, we, we just have a, a lot of breakouts lined up that are geared really towards churches that are that are uh, staffed and volunteered both ways. And so um, we want your whole team to be here. It's $25 a person. And uh, if you register before the end of the year, uh, we thank you. I was going to say we, we throw your name into a drawing or something, but I don't, I don't have anything to give away. We'll give you a nice firm handshake and look you right in the eye. That's right. On the day of the workshop, we will look you right in the eye and give you a handshake because there's not enough handshakes that look people right in the eye anymore. Have you noticed that? I don't know. I never shake anyone's hand. Oh, that's... It is It is the sixth season, so it's probably good not to shake anybody's hands. The heat hands. will be working this year. Ah, uh, yes. For anyone who left comments about the uh, discrepancies in heat in rooms, one room would be hot, one room would be cold. Uh, Kyle has worked tirelessly. Tire tirelessly in 2018 to rectify this situation. Yeah, I've illegally built uh, fire pits in all of our rooms. And so, yeah. And so, and, and I mean, he showed me one there. It's called, large. it's called, a, it's caused a big fuss. And so um, my job may be on the line, but you know what? I'll do anything for you create initiatives. That's right. And we'll have fairly what, heated what, rooms. What are our, what are they called? Our createes. Our createes. <laughs> I don't know about that. We need to come up with something better. Initi- initiativeites. Initiativeites. Uh, um, that's terrible. Initiative is such a hard word to spell. It, uh, you're telling me. I spell it every day for something, and I always think, why did we name it this? Leave a comment on the podcast episode page. How hard is initiative to spell on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, rate it for us. And uh, if the rating reaches a certain point, who knows? We may rebrand or something. Yeah, like I said, this is the, the series finale. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have nowhere to go uh, from here but down. So uh, why not just change everything? Create eyes. Nick, that's the other name. Create eyes. Well, <laughs> Kyle, um, we better get out of here. And it has been a fun year. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's gone quickly. And I, I want to say thank you for, for joining the show and being a co-host. Yeah, first season down. Yeah, first season down. You've added so much flavor. And I mean, think about it. I mean, you join the show. John Mark McMillan joins the podcast. Coincidence? So, um, I don't there, know. There's a common denominator there somewhere. So uh, thank you for, for your uh, savvy and your influence that would lead us to, to having an episode to go out on like this. Yeah, well, I mean, the restraining order was worth it. Um, definitely glad he decided to finally respond, yeah. whether it was willfully or not. Yeah, so. I am too. The, you know, usually I mentioned we're in Kyle's office at the beginning of the episode, but uh, I did forget to mention that he is, uh, we're actually doing this apart. He is currently in lockup um, uh, there in North Carolina, but uh, he, he got a little too close to John. But hey, 
it, it's all good. He'll be out before Christmas. So. Worth it. Worth it for the cast, man. That's right. That is right. That's apostrophe C A S T. The cast. The cast. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Kyle, uh, thank you, and uh, listeners, thank you for being supportive and and taking part. And uh, we'll see you hopefully in 2019. Uh, if not through the airwaves, at least at the workshop. But hopefully we're going to come back for season seven. It's really Kyle's call if he thinks we can come back. But um, we'll, we'll see, see what my attorney thinks. Yeah, we'll see what his attorney thinks. But for Kyle Lee, I am Jason Evans. And have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. And we'll see you in 2019.